right. This is the uh, inaugural edition of the Breaking Boundaries podcast with Barbell Apparel, and we're here with Martin Lises. He's uh, uh, it's good to have you here today, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. No, we're honored as well. And I know our uh, followers and customers would be excited to get to know you and your life a little bit more. Uh, Martin Lises is the 2019 World's Strongest Man winner, the 2022 Arnold's Strongman winner. He's the three-time Arnold Pro Strongman World Series winner, and he's won a slew of other Strongman titles over his career. Um, he's one of the strongest people alive right now and presumably one of the strongest human beings to have ever walked the planet. So, um, with all that said, what are you up to currently? Are you training for anything specific? I am uh, training for the Rogue Invitational at the end of October. And, uh, that's it. Uh, I, uh, I won it last year. It would be, uh, it would be awesome to win it again. Yeah, we're definitely rooting for you. We'll be excited to watch that. I mean, um, do you know what events you're running currently? I have no idea. No. Um, and that that is a little bit of a letdown. We're we're right up on two months to the show. I still don't know the events. Um, so I'm just kind of training all the the fundamentals, the foundational lifts, um, and hoping that they carry over to whatever is thrown at us. Yeah, so a little bit of strength, a little bit of speed, trying to be yeah. ready for whatever they throw at you. Exactly. And, I, I, you know, I'll be training log press, uh, barbell presses, and also dumbbell presses, because between those three, between barbell pressing, log pressing, and dumbbell pressing, it kind of encompasses any kind of overhead pressing that might be thrown at me. And beyond that, it's just uh, doing all sorts of variety of different running events, uh, trying to keep my squat strong, keep my deadlift strong, just in case. Yeah, and imagine training some carries too, right? Oh, many. Yeah. 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 I mean, so you're a little bit, you're like two months out from the Rogue Invitational at this point. How are you feeling heading into that? I feel strong. I feel strong. Uh, it's really just going to come down to uh, when the events come out, hoping that I've been training the correct ones. Yeah. I suppose it's a bit of a gamble, right? One way or another, because you kind of got to lean into one direction and hope you play it right. You know, strongman is such a varied sport. It, it's impossible to be ready for absolutely everything at any given moment yeah and i mean it seems like historically you tend to place pretty strongly in all the events and then tend to when, when you perform really well win a couple so i mean it seems like in the past you've done a good job judging the events that you need to be prepared for have you ever had to go into a competition blind like that before and not know what the events were going to be um there have been many competitions i've kind of chosen to do last minute that i have not been prepared for um, and it is definitely more difficult. I still end up doing well because all throughout the year I, I train uh, as much of a variety of events as I possibly can. But it is harder to do a show not knowing events, much harder. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose the difference with this one uh, heading in is that you kind of know that you're getting yourself into that uh, before you head into it. So you have the chance to at least make sure you're a little bit as well-rounded as possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, an ACE in one event, if you have an Achilles heel, you're not winning the show. You need yeah. to, it's better to be mid pack or upper middle pack on all of the events rather than have a few specialties and then many weaknesses. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That way you're kind of accumulating rankings and points at the whole event. And then if you can win a few, it kind of nudges you yeah. into the top, right? It's about the best average. Yeah, for sure. And I like in preparation for the interview, I was just looking at your placings through events uh, over the years and like looking at the other people you're placed with. And it looks like that you, more than a lot of competitors, are kind of really great at placing, you know, top two, three, four in almost every event you you do. Absolutely. And one of my strategies is to uh, play second in as many events as possible, only win the last one, because then I could avoid the interviews. The interviews are exhausting, right? So I, <laughs> like, I just leave like this one, right? <laughs> so I, I just leave that for the very end of the show. Exactly. Um, like in the Rogue Invitational last year, I didn't win a single event until the Stones at the end. And um, I remember the the, the, uh, the film crew that was there was like, okay, when are you going to win an event so we can interview you? And I, right in the beginning of the show, I said, at the very end, that's when I'll win an event for you guys. Yeah, and you did exactly that, which is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, the it, do you feel like the approach of being well-rounded and making sure that you have kind of like a varied um, ability in all the different events, is that something you've always focused on? Or did you just kind of... Um, figure out that you had the ability to excel in all the different events uh that's something that my coach old haugen from my early days competing instilled in me was he, he once an event was good enough or strong enough he had me pull back on training that event so i could always bring up my deficiencies or weakest events up so i'd always be focusing on whatever's the worst in terms of volume and intensity much more than what i'm good at that's really insightful. I know I think a lot of the other athletes I've talked to that are really kind of elite level tend to have that um, mindset too. Whereas it's, you know, like the people that have less success or more people that are struggling, they tend to always do what they're good at because that's the more more fun thing to do, right? Yeah. Like do things that are good at. Absolutely. But that, that focus on what you're bad at is probably one of the reasons you've been so successful. I guess uh, given that, what do you think, what would you currently say you're the best at and um where are you more focused on bringing up some deficits currently um so stone lifting is still one of my best events um i i've always trained it i've always kept it in my training at some of sort of variation uh and i always train it exhausted because it tends to be the last event in a show so i i like to train it exhausted so it could be ready no matter how fatigued i am to be able to do whatever stone set out in front of me um deadlifts used to be one of my best events uh lately because of some hip issues i'm i'm having uh, much more difficulty in uh getting my deadlifts to be as strong as they used to be so that's been where my focus has been in rehabbing my hips so i can fire on all cylinders when it comes to the deadlift gotcha and i mean it's like because in the past you've had a 970 pound deadlift was that is that still your pr uh, that is, yeah, and I, I, it's like I I know I could break past a thousand if I could just fully rehab my hip. That's awesome. And so, like for now, the focus is mostly on that hip rehab. Is there any other sort of like secondary training for the deadlift? Do you feel like you've been needing to do to kind of like work the different range of motion or anything Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. Um, so I think it's my hip pain mostly comes from um my obturator muscles, the internus and externus being uh overworked or like i think they've gotten too short so i've been trying to uh 
train my internal and external rotation of my hip in more full ranges. And that seems to greatly decrease the pain. And that's been more of a recent discovery. So I'm, I'm pretty excited with that direction. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's cool to hear like some of that deeper insight into even the anatomy of the deficiencies or the injuries or things like that. Do you work with a physical therapist to kind of get those insights? Absolutely. Every single week I go to send, uh, physical therapy, San Pedro, and I uh, see Dr. Janae Brown. And we go through all sorts of different tests and, and she'll take me through all the motions or movements, exercises that I need to do to bring up those deficiencies or, or help heal those places that hurt. Yeah. Every single week. That's, that's awesome. That's a lot of dedication and time invested into making sure that you're moving well and understanding the way your body's performing. And I think like, you know, for people watching the perspective is like, they'd see you training on social media or watch your YouTube or see your success in the combination or in the competitions. But, um, probably you're curious about what goes in to your life and your training and, and competing at such a high level. So I'm, I'm sure everyone assumes you train a lot, but even just the fact that you go into physical therapy every week, just to get deeper into the, the moving parts of it all. Um, what does a typical week of training look like for you? Um, so typically Monday, I will just stretch out, uh, take a very easy work on mobility and maybe some stability exercises. Tuesday, heavy pulling day. Typically, that's my deadlifts and stones and then other back accessories. Wednesdays, full-on physical therapy. I go to uh, physical therapy, San Pedro. That's where I get the work in. Uh, then Thursday would be a pressing day. Uh, Friday, leg day, and that's when I get my yoke carries in. Sunday, I get whatever other events and accessories in that I didn't get throughout the rest of the week. Um, and every training day will run about three to four hours. And one hour of that is just warming up, yeah. kind of tuning the instrument. So if we if we do the math right, you're you're doing basically some form of event training or lifting training five days a week, four hours those days. That's twenty hours of training a week. And then yeah. Monday is is um, stretching, and then Wednesday is physical therapy. So we'd call those like I guess active recovery days or whatever you want to yeah. call them. But so you're probably investing almost thirty hours a week into training. Uh, and that's just the active training, not counting recovery and stuff. So it's like yeah. a full-time job, just the training portion. It, it, it's, it's close to that. The only day I take fully off would be Saturday and maybe I go on a hike or something. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Get, uh, get all, the blood flow. All the other days I'm doing something. Yeah. So with such, and I mean, the crazy thing about strongman too is right. Like I've talked to other athletes that are working out with high volume, but you guys expose yourself to so much load and so much weight. Like I, you know, if I tried to lift the weight, you guys do my skeleton would crumple in on itself. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm fairly strong compared to your average person, <laughs> but, uh, I guess to facilitate all that and make sure that your body can handle it. Um, what are you focusing on in terms of nutrition and, and recovery? Um, I, I a gram of protein for every pound of body weight is like the the base that needs to be there um right because you, protein is the building blocks of uh, for your muscles uh, other than that uh, plenty of carbs and fats especially loading up on a lot of carbs a few hours before my workouts so the energy to carry me through the workout and i will even snack between every event or exercise throughout my three to four hour training period. Uh, and then at nighttime, carbs and 
protein, but not as much of carbs before the lifting, but plenty of carbs and protein after the lifting is done as well. Uh, it'll equate to about uh, five meals a day. That's a uh, maybe five to seven thousand calories a day when five, I'm getting ready for a contest. Five to seven thousand calories. That's crazy. I bet you a lot of people think like, "Oh man, that'd be awesome to eat that much." But I bet you it's not awesome, is it? It's probably like a like a part time job just eating, right? Eating is the half of the job for sure. And you it's mentioned a lot of time. You mentioned a gram of protein per pound of body weight. How much do you weigh, like on average? Um. So when I'm getting ready for a show, I'll I'll be around 330, all the way up to 350 pounds. My heaviest was 357. I think my sweet spot's around 340, and that's usually what I aim for in protein a day. Nice. So 340 grams of protein every day. Like, are you getting most of that from meat, or are you doing like protein powder or anything like that? I definitely do protein powder, uh, plenty of meat as well. Although uh, lately I've been trying to. Re- like try to have like one vegan meal a day. Uh, so some soy as well, just because uh, I want to slowly start incorporating more uh, vegan foods in my body. And that's not just for, that's not for performance. That's just for ethics sake. I can't stand what the meat industry is doing to animals and the planet as well. So yeah. that, that's a, that's more of like a long-term goal. That's beside competitions, but I, I want to see how strong I could, uh, how strong I could stay while eating less and less meat. That's cool. That's good to know. Um, And I suppose like you could do it a little bit at a time and see how it impacts your performance and then make adjustments as you need be, right? And so Um, far it's been feeling good. Uh, Again, it's not a drastic change, but it's, it's, I really like how I feel right now. Yeah, I know these days I've tried some like plant proteins from like, like pea protein powder and things like that, that uh, supposedly have like great absorbability and they actually taste pretty decent. I mean, even like, Five years ago, the plant protein tasted terrible, but now it tastes pretty good. Yeah, like in a protein they're, shake, com- right? they're coming along. Absolutely. Um, so that's the nutrition component. Like outside of the nutrition, you wake up, you fuel up for your workouts. You spend an hour warming up. You spend another three hours training. Are you doing anything after the fact to uh, make sure that you recover for the next day? Uh, stretching, eating, sleeping, uh, video games, try to de-stress as much as I can. That, that is one of my mottos is try to, when I'm getting ready for competition, I try to shut out anything that might be stressful so I can uh, keep my uh, adrenals fresh for my training. That makes sense. And you mentioned sleep. I'm sure like sleep is a huge priority for you. Um, how many hours of sleep do you try to get a night? It's, it, that, that's a good question. Cause I was, I just tried to be more, um, more productive lately in, in my business as, as a gym owner uh, I, I have an app as well youtube so i've been trying to sleep less uh that lasted about two weeks uh I, that was seven hours i thought that would be enough but as training gets heavy there's nothing i can do i need that sleep and now i'm getting nine or ten hours a night sometimes and uh it's just like it when that training ramps up for a show it, it's like it hits me like a brick there's nothing i can do it's like my body just refuses to uh sleep less yeah it makes sense right like you're you're incurring all that like micro stress and damage that's got to recover over the night and if you if you try to burn the candle at both ends uh like you're like your body just won't let you right um i mean you are juggling a lot do you do your competitors do as much as you in terms of like all the other different ventures between the businesses and the social media 
Um, that's a good question. I, I noticed that Hofdor definitely took on a lot, but he, he also had a lot of help, and I, I do as well. Um, a lot of strongmen, I'd say most strongmen have a job, but I don't know any strongman that's at the top uh, that's been like a multiple time uh, world champion that wasn't a pure strongman. You know, you got Brian Shaw. I mean, he, he does have a, his other adventures, but they're, you know, most of his focus goes to strongman. Big C, even Hofthor, when when he was really at his top, he wasn't doing much else other than t- having that tunnel vision on on his competitions. Um, yeah, all the guys at the very top, me included, we we I'm, we get tunnel visioned. Yeah, and we it's it's almost impossible to take on much more. Like I try, but it, it, it's hard when when the when it gets close to showtime. I just have to put things aside. Yeah, that makes sense. And like you mentioned, you know, you have all this other stuff going on and you try, you were trying to sleep less so that you could put some more time into your other ventures. But when push came to shove and you had to make a choice, um, the sleep is what takes priority. The competition is what takes priority. Absolutely. It, it's like, a, it's like a, a switch flips and all of a sudden the training is getting serious and there's, I have to get that sleep in. Yeah. And it's like, I could feel it in my hands. If I don't sleep, it's like I cannot make uh, a tight grip. You know, when you make a fist, uh, if I get seven or even eight hours of sleep, that that tightness in my grip goes away. And that that's just like the central nervous system doesn't fire up as much as it needs to if the sleep isn't there. Yeah, I know what you mean. I can relate. Like uh, a few, I don't know, several years ago, I got into like rock climbing as my primary Um athletic hobby and it's like very intense on the grip um and like a lot of central nervous system fatigue too because you're grabbing like your whole body weight on these tiny edges and the same thing will happen to me if i don't sleep enough i'll wake up the next day and it feels like i have to do just a ton of warm-ups and everything just to get my grip to feel like it wants to function at all um so i and i'm not doing near the training volume you do so i can only imagine if you miss out on that sleep like with the lows you're putting yourself under that it just gets really difficult to uh feel fresh um, to train again the next day. And I guess the question I'd ask out of that is with such a packed schedule in terms of training. And of course you got all the other stuff going on. Like what happens if you have a bad night's sleep? Do you, what do you do for training the next day? Do you skip it? Do you do it anyways? That's right. It depends on how bad the sleep was or how much I feel the fatigue. Um, I tried to get the training in, but I might have to sacrifice some weight or even sets or volume and focus more on form, maybe focus on lighter weights and speed, um, or just focus on the rehab aspect of it that, that particular day. So I do have to shift gears. Absolutely. There's no way I could get like a maximum intensity lift in if I miss sleep. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, talking to high level athletes, I think there's something really uh, interesting there and intelligent and, you know, maybe you, you mean it, um, overtly, or maybe it's just like second nature to you. But I think like what's being said is that if you're unable to, if you feel fresh and you feel ready to rumble and you can load up the heavy weights and get after it, um, you do that. But if something is, you know, you're not recovering, right. You didn't sleep well, or maybe your body needs a little bit of an extra break. There's, there's still always something else you can focus on, right? Like it doesn't always have to be the heavy weights or the highest loads. Like you focus on just speed or, focusing on form or just moving well uh on the days where you don't feel necessarily ready to uh, go you know nine out of ten effort 
Absolutely. And ever since I was a kid, I started lifting when I was nine and my uh, dad kind of instilled this mentality in me that every single day I enter the gym, I need to improve something. And if that's not weights or repetitions, you can still improve form or even like the time you hold in a plank. There's always something that could be improved uh, that you enter the gym, no matter how how you're feeling. And it's and because of that, I always find it's very important to take notes of every single session. And I have notes uh, dating back or like a decade and a half of uh, just all every single training session. So I can always go back, see what my best were and improve upon them in one way or another. That's awesome. Do you keep those notes like in a physical notebook? Uh, no, uh, right now it's all on spreadsheets and Google Docs. That's cool. Google spreadsheets, yeah. Yeah, meticulous note-taking. That's another great tip. Um, you mentioned that your dad instilled that into you when you were a kid, that when you go to the gym, every, something needs to always be improved. I guess like I'm sure people would love to hear, um, how did you get into Strongman? I read I read something about uh, being at your grandfather's farm in in Latvia. Um, so how did that, how did that all come about? Obviously you've been working out since a very young age. Does your family have a history in strength sports? So, uh, my dad got me into lifting when I was very young. I was nine years old. I was a total couch potato. just loved playing video games. And, uh, my dad kind of had enough of it. Okay, son, you're coming to the gym with me. Um, so he pulled me in and I couldn't stand it at first. I really didn't want to train. I was a bit lazy, but he said, okay, try it for a year. And if you really hate it, you can stop. And so I did it for a year, and I grew strong pretty uh, quickly, and it was to the point where I got addicted to it. Um, and then as I was training with my dad, I would go to, you know, on the summers, to uh, our family farm in Latvia. And there my grandfather was also a stone sculptor, farmer. He had all these piles of big rocks around, like, around the farm, and he showed me how to lift them. And then I was doing farm work and lifting rocks with my grandpa, and and then I saw on TV these guys basically doing farm work and lifting rocks uh, for competition. As a kid, I thought, okay, I, I could do that. Uh, I want to be up there and uh, win World's Strongest Man one day. So that that was instilled for me at a young age. And also this confidence that I, I knew I could do it. That's pretty awesome that you had the the family um, to help you figure that out. And then also obviously the gift for it and the work ethic. Uh, but I think it's pretty interesting that like you – didn't perceive yourself as like an athlete or, or any of that, even at nine years old until your dad took you in the gym and you were kind of like your first perception was like, Oh, I don't like this. Huh? Yeah, completely. It was not my world. I was used to, uh, flashing screens and a couch. So as a nine-year-old who was getting into lifting weights for the first time, um, you, you mentioned you weren't into it at first, uh, during that first year of lifting weights, uh, was there a moment where you realized that, okay, I think this is something I enjoy, or did it just kind of happen gradually over the course of the year, getting stronger and becoming more competent? That's a good question. Yeah. I don't remember really being there being a moment, uh, just over that year, I did start feeling stronger and I liked the changes and I was also playing, um, many video games and watching anime like dragon ball z and playing warcraft where all these uh, i was just inspired by the orcs and and the and the and all sorts of warriors and barbarians from everquest just all the video games and anime i was consuming i wanted to be like those guys the big muscular badasses of those uh, shows and games and when i was in the gym as a as a little kid i couldn't help but imagine being in that world lifting these weights preparing myself 
being some sort of warrior. And that's what inspired me as a little child. That's awesome. Like that warrior mindset. And I guess uh, fortunate for you, you picked like the one sport where you could actually get as big as a video game character. Yeah, that's that's what drew me to Strongman. Because also that I was lifting, um, you know, I like the changes. I, I liked bodybuilding because, you know, these guys were so aesthetic and very impressive. But I also love powerlifting and weightlifting because I like the idea of how much weight you could move. I like Island Games because these guys were just throwing heavyweights, these distances. I couldn't choose what to do. And that's what Strongman kind of was. It was taking all these things I loved into one. And uh, to me, you know, Strongman is the ultimate strength sport. There's nothing that uh, expresses strength better than this sport. Yeah, I agree. And, and you mentioned uh, bodybuilding, I suppose, like as life goes on and, and uh, you get older and stuff, you ever think you'll take a crack at that? I don't think competitive bodybuilding, but bodybuilding's always been a part of my training. Uh, bodybuilding is a, the movements of bodybuilding are good for tendons, tendon integrity, uh, and just building up uh, isolated strength in areas that need it. So it's always part of my routine, some form of bodybuilding at the end of my training. You know, it's not a major focus, but it's still important to build muscle mass to uh, be able to build upon more strength upon that mass. Because a, a bigger muscle isn't necessarily a stronger muscle. Uh, most of strength really is just a mind-body connection you know is how efficiently your nerve uh your signals travel from your brain to activate your muscles but a bigger muscle has more potential to gain even more strength awesome no that's great to know um just a few more things and then uh we'll we'll do some questions from our our customers and followers um 2019 you you won um had an awesome year what did that feel like uh winning in 2019 that was a childhood dream come true. I mean, it felt like a dream and I, I kind of had to pinch myself and it took a while for me to really let it sink in. Like this actually just happened because ever, ever since I set out uh, as, a, as a kid, I, I wanted it. I wanted to win world's strongest man. Um, so winning that, it was like a, it was like a homage to a little kid version of myself. Like, Hey man, you did it. Yeah. And, like, the culmination of, of years of, of training for it. Um, from the time you started lifting at nine years old and kind of building that foundation, when, how long was it until you started formally training for strongman? So uh, ever since I was like 12 or 13 is when I grew fascinated with strongman and all my uh, gym sessions and lifts were geared towards one day getting into strongman. I first started uh, touched like strongman implements when I was 18, but that was only a handful of times because the place I was living in Massachusetts, the place uh, where I could get a handle of these implements was like over an hour away. Um, it was when I came to California when I was 20 years old that I started training with old Haugen and it was um, training weekly with strongman implements, getting ready for a competition. So I'd say when I was 20, I actually started training, getting ready for specific competitions. Gotcha. Um, and so from that time frame to 2019 when you won, that's a, that seems like a pretty quick ramp. Um, like from from the beginning of your formal strongman training to winning, 
which is probably a bit of a testament to your capability as a, an athlete and your natural talent. Uh, but I suppose like how impactful do you think all those years before from the time you were nine up until you were 20, like, did that really just give you a super strong foundation with which to build everything else on? Enormous, an enormous foundation. I, I don't think I would have won world strongest man without those formative years, because by the time I started training regularly with strongman implements, I was already strong. Uh, now it was just a matter of learning uh, the events. Yeah, developing the specific motor patterns and everything. No, exactly. That's, that's interesting. Um, and so after winning in, in 2019, um, you had a, a pretty significant injury. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I've had all, all sorts of injuries. Um, after winning in 2019, it, what really started to give were uh was my hip because that hip pain started getting really bad and also nerve damage in my right shoulder my right arm started shutting down because of a pinched nerve between my uh, c6 c7 um so i i had i had to take a year off i mean i competed still in the arnold's uh placed third um but my arm was operating maybe at 60 70 percent at that point um, so at that point I knew if I wanted to continue doing well, I had to completely pull back. So it took a year and a half off just to work on that injury, get physical therapy for it, um, and eventually and figure out how to get my nerve to fire up again. Yeah. I mean, that, and that, that's a lot of foresight into being able to, to come back and, and win again in, uh, 2022, I suppose like pulling back like that was probably a pretty difficult thing to decide to do, especially after you had had just all that success and the culmination of a childhood dream. Uh, was it hard for you to kind of step back and take that time to recover? It, it was absolutely hard to step back because, um, you know, 10 years of putting all my focus in this sport, my identity got wrapped up in it and pulling back. It was kind of this strange moment of me wondering like who am i beyond strong and it was actually really good for me because then i started getting more into art uh getting more invested into building up youtube uh putting together a gym so all these other ventures kind of blossomed from me pulling back and uh now i'm also excited for the future and those adventures uh, those ventures as well um but it was necessary also for my body and I got this craving to come back because for a while I felt burnt out and it, all the training was so painful that I didn't even want to compete anymore. And, and it was this weird internal fight of like, I, I need to be competing. I need to be a strong man versus I just can't do this anymore. It, it hurts too much. This is miserable. So pulling back, healing my injuries, uh, gaining the confidence in my body again, my getting confidence in my abilities, again, getting these lifts to actually feel good again, got that rebuilt that craving and that desire to go out and conquer some more competitions. That's so awesome. Yeah, and then I mean, so you took the year and a half off, and then you come back, and in 2022, you won the Arnold Strongman Classic. Uh, how did that feel to be able to know that, like that choice to step back? culminated in uh another victory uh it it was very validating validating that take take pulling back to kind of sharpen your axe uh 
to heal your injuries is always worth the time. Even if it takes you a year and a half, it's necessary sometimes. And it was validating to me that, hey, that break was worth it. I, I did what I felt I needed it, and I listened to my gut, and it paid off. And therefore, uh, I won the Rogue Invitational. I won the Arnold. And I even placed second at World's Strongest Man again. So it's a dang good year coming back. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's still more to come, I'm sure. And like, I think the the interesting thing is like for someone else in a similar position where maybe they were injured or had to pull back and couldn't train with the intensity or the frequency with which they're used to, um, like in my head, I'd be worried that my competitors were going to be pulling further ahead because they weren't having to do this. Or, you know, maybe they weren't hurt and they, they could train. And, and then here I am having to focus on um, other aspects of, of just getting better. And to see you go through that and come out and be stronger than before and moving pain-free and, and winning and beating everyone else is pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's been an awesome adventure and journey. Awesome. Well, um, we're, we're excited to see what happens with your competitions uh, through the rest of 2022 and going into 2023. I'm sure there's still amazing things to come. Um, I just have a few questions from our followers here that, that we'll get through and then uh, we can call it a day. But um, just in general, are there any, like if you had to give one overarching piece of advice uh, to people as far as achieving their training goals, whatever those might be. I know it's super broad, but do you have anything that stands out in your mind, like from yourself or maybe a lesson from a mentor? Um, don't put your foot for the first few years. If you're brand new for the first few years, do not put your focus on strength, put it on learning emotions, controlling them, understanding them, building perfect technique or as close as you can get to it, building up your deficiencies. So you're well-rounded, and then once you have built that understanding and the control, then start to load and get more explosive. Uh, this is something that uh, an old coach of mine, um, Tom DeLong, used to preach, is learn, control, then explode. And I think that applies to anyone that's getting started off. Take it slow. No, that's great advice. If someone wanted to get into Strongman, what's the best place for them to start? Um, I suppose that depends uh, where you are. If you're in the LA area, come by El Segundo to my gym, Wrecked Gym. We got Strongman equipment and we can get you started. But if you're not close to us, you're going to have to find a Strongman gym in your area. And oftentimes CrossFit gyms have Strongman equipment nowadays, powerlifting gyms. And if you don't have any of that, a barbell is going to be your best friend. Squat, deadlift, overhead press, zercher squat, front squat, bent over rows. Those motions are going to carry over to almost everything in Strongman. And uh, I guess before you started doing the formal Strongman training, were you, was that a lot of the movements you were doing that gave you such a strong starting place? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I would say that those don't build is uh, carry, uh, carries your ability to carry in terms of farmers yoke or front carries so for those i would suggest doing some like maybe loading up a squat bar and getting like a step that's maybe four to five inches high that's it and then just doing like little step ups getting some footwork and getting your feet to be reactive so that way when you when it comes time to train 
farmers or yoke, you're used to that unilateral balance and power output with heavy weight, you, you know, marching or moving your feet. That's great advice and something someone could do with like some wood in their garage, right? Absolutely. Um, okay. Now we have a, a couple of funny questions. What is swimming like for someone as big and muscular, muscular as you? You know, it really depends on uh, what kind of experience you have with swimming. Because, you know, you look at Eddie Hall. He used to swim competitively. And when he gets at it, man, that man can swim like a fish, at least for a sprint. He's, he's a powerful swimmer. Uh, for me, I feel very clumsy and awkward in the water. I, I love it. But swimming is not easy for me. And I don't know if that's a weight thing or if it's just a scale thing. It might just be a skill thing. I'm pretty lean. Uh, I'm pretty bad at swimming. I grew up in <laughs> the Las Vegas desert. You get me in the ocean, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So no, I just like I like to swim on my back and just kind of float there. That's my favorite. Yeah, I could probably do that forever. That's how yeah. I am too. To get there, if I get stressed out in the ocean, just float and just call it a day. Yeah, that's my favorite, right there. Yeah, just look at uh, the clouds pass by. Um, you've mentioned that your, your love of video games and that you still do it for recovery. And it's funny you mentioned that because I've known a lot of like high caliber athletes and it's kind of like a common, common things. A lot of them like to do that, uh, to decompress and kind of relax mm -hmm. probably because it's something where you can still be like mentally active, but physically very relaxed. Um, what's your favorite console right now and what games are you playing? Um, so I love PlayStation, Xbox and PC computer uh, computer games. Uh, Elden Ring was my recent absolute favorite game. God of War, Assassin's Creed, Horizon, uh, the, the Forbidden West, the new one that came out, bomb game. Uh, and during COVID, I played a lot of Overwatch. Um, that was that's my favorite competitive game to play. Yeah, I've been known to play a few video games as well. Did you beat Elden Ring? I did. It uh, took me over over a hundred hours. That's almost like that's a that's an achievement in and of itself, man. That's that, a tough game. That and winning Arnold's were uh, almost equal, neck and neck. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I guess lastly, where can our listeners uh, find and follow you? Uh, so number one, if you want to follow my training and see what I'm doing, uh, download and subscribe to the Wreck It Power app on the Google Play Store or. Uh, apple store um then you can find us on youtube my name martin sleetsis instagram same thing m-a-r-t-i-n-s-l-i-c-i-s awesome and for everyone watching we'll drop that in the show notes so that you have an easy way to follow martins uh martins it has been amazing interviewing you today and hearing a little bit of your background and your story um we've loved being a part of your um achievements and just seeing that everything that you've done over the last year we can't wait to see how things go in october uh and we hope to have you again soon man i'm sure you got some training to get to so i'll let you get back to your day and uh yeah thanks man it's been awesome thank you for having me